The news on CJOB with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham. So far, so good. I hope it doesn't hit school, but I know it will. And I guess we're going to have to deal with it when that time comes. But I'm hoping that it doesn't come. One month back to school now. Richard and Julie with you. Thank you so very much for making us a part of your day. In a moment, the superintendent of the Seven Oaks School Division will join us live. Let's bring in Brent Johnson. He's a parent of two young learners in Winnipeg School Division. Brent, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Richard and Julie, for the opportunity. How's it going? Well, you know, so far, so good. Um, I, I will say that the experience in school for my two boys has been really smooth. You know, uh, the administration at the school and the teachers and the support staff have all really gone out of their way to, and uh, I know that everybody's working really hard to make it a welcoming, smooth and safe experience. And it's been all of that. I will say though, we're a month in to school and we're a month into the ongoing bus strike in the Winnipeg School Division. So that is a big frustration and a big challenge. I was going to ask you about whether or not <laughs> you were impacted with that. So it it has had an impact in, in your family, clearly. What has that been? Yeah, absolutely. It's been a big impact. So we're driving, driving uh, our kids to school uh, every day and then picking them up in the afternoon when normally they would be bused. Uh, they attend a French immersion school, which is... A little further away and uh, and therefore would normally receive busing as do a whole pile of their friends and our neighbors in the neighborhood here uh, in fact the school that they attend they call Lansdowne uh, of the 550 or so students that attend 400 of them are bused and uh, so that's 400 students and large number of families that are directly impacted by by this ongoing strike bit of a gong show for drop off and pick off uh, yes, it's gotten better since the beginning of the school year. You know, people have kind of figured out uh, how to navigate traffic a little bit. And the school has really, really worked hard to make it a safe experience. I know they're in constant contact with the city of Winnipeg. They're working with our school resource officer, uh, you know, on the safety side. Um, and then the school division. This is the part that I really can't wrap my head around. So the school division doesn't want to even offer the bus drivers a 1% raise, like they basically they're holding the line on on 0% raises. And in fact, they're trying to cut benefits in retirement, uh, which really doesn't make any sense. Yet they're spending a ton of money on mitigation measures. So the school has now hired, I think, three adult crossing guards, uh, two of which start tomorrow because it's just too much chaos to expect student crossing guards to be able to manage. They also have the entire administration team and a bunch of the teachers out morning and afternoon, literally directing traffic like you would see people directing airplanes at an airport uh, or cadets directing traffic on, on a street with no traffic lights, uh, which is not a good use of the school's resources. Uh, they've had to start a before and after school program. So basically the school is now running a daycare where one didn't exist before and the school division is paying for that and providing that service uh, to families who need it. Um, and the list goes on and on. They've now set up a remote learning option for which they're hiring several teachers. Uh, that comes at, at quite a cost to the division as well. And I just don't understand why they wouldn't just make a fair offer, settle the strike, and let's all move on. 
Well, um, my my sense, Brent, is it's bigger than the Winnipeg School Division and a little bit mm. more towards the Manitoba legislature. Let's bring in Brian O'Leary, <laughs> the superintendent of Seven Oaks School Division. Brian, what's been the, the biggest issue that you've had to deal with in the past month? Uh, honestly, we haven't had a ton of issues. Uh, getting our buses running was one because they're down to... Uh, uh, about half capacity, so we had to be creative and our transportation team worked really, really hard to route kids and, and get that going. And, and I think maybe the biggest issue was everybody's anxiety coming back and uh, you know, I, I would echo the comment, uh, so far so good. Um, I, I think we're really pleased with how September's gone and I think our teachers have been incredibly resourceful and creative. Uh, in how they've organized to be safe and yet give kids uh, a, a really welcome back to school positive experience. So now we're into the routine of things, but part of that routine is that any sign of sickness, you have to stay home. How's it been for student population and for staff? Um, our, our absenteeism for students is running uh, um Higher than last year, certainly, but we're still, our attendance is above 90%. Uh, staff, uh, we're, we're coping with, again, increased absence, but this is what we've asked people to do, uh, is if you're symptomatic, stay home, uh, be cautious. Uh, and then we have had somewhere, uh, um, you know, they have a need to quarantine for a period of time awaiting a test result or so on. Um, so, you know, again, so far so good, uh, but we are hiring additional bus driver substitutes, teacher substitutes uh, in all categories, and, and we are facing some higher staffing costs all around. How has it been with with positive tests? We, we all sort of held our breath and wondered what that would be like. Has it run fairly smoothly, all things considered? I, I, I'd say for us, uh, really smoothly, we've had one positive test at one of our high schools. Uh, the case investigation showed that there really wasn't any risk and that the uh, uh, the measures we had in place in the, in, in the school actually prevented any risk of further infection. There wasn't a second case. Uh, and I think if you look across schools in Manitoba, that's been the case uh, um, in most of the cases where there's been someone with an infection. Um, what we're doing in schools appears to be working, well, you know, it really does seem to be working to this point. Um, and that's not a guarantee for the future, but uh, it gives us some confidence that the measures we've taken uh, are in fact uh, the right measures and, and we've implemented them well. I, I know, Brian, as we've spoken, you know, throughout the pandemic, my concern was always for those kids where home wasn't necessarily a safe space or a space where they could have technology or even a proper meal. Uh, are you feeling a little bit better about having that um, contact with all of the students now in the schools? I, I think hugely. I, I mean, school is uh, is where kids need to be. Um, you know, there's concerns around mental health. The, the best things we can do for mental health is have some purpose in your life, uh, be connected socially, be active, get outside, get a good night's sleep. Uh, school contributes to all of those things. Uh, and I think the best mental health measures we're using is uh, come back to school and, 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 and have a, a, a much more normal day-to-day uh, -day experience. Brian O'Leary, Superintendent, Seven Oaks School Division, Brent Johnson. Brent, by the way, the boys are doing fun. Are they talking Halloween yet? Yes, we're already preparing costumes. We're a little unsure of what Halloween will look like on the day of, um, but we're trying to figure that out. And uh, your costume, by the way, Brent? 
I'll never tell. <laughs> the news on CJOB with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham. Dr. Jason Kendrachuk is with us. He is uh, with the Department of Medical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases at the Rady Faculty of Health Sciences at the University of Manitoba. And news of the day in a moment, uh, Jason, but are you still in Saskatoon? I am still in Saskatoon. So how is it going? Um, have you found the, the vaccine yet? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, listen, we're, we're all working on it. Uh, it's, you know, it's going really well. Um, you know, we're, we're battling trying to do research in real time as a pandemic is progressing. And, you know, it, uh, it's calling upon all the expertise of, uh, of all the folks here at Vito Intervac. Um, you know, the, the leadership is amazing under Dr. Volker Gertz. I've got some amazing uh, talented researchers uh, surrounding me that are bringing all their best uh, skills to the game. Um, so I think we're making progress, but it's it's a tough slog right now. I, I'd you know we're we're not in the same position as we are with flu or or something where we have you know a vaccine that that we just have to remodify. We are starting from scratch. And how long does it take you to get into your hazmat suit now? Like, do you guys time each other? Well, you know, listen, I've, I've worked BSL-3 and BSL-4, uh, you know, prior to this. So um, it, it takes, you know, probably, I'd say, you know, a good 10 minutes uh, to, to get in and, and probably, you know, around the same time, maybe a little bit longer because you have to take a, a personal shower uh, to get out. Uh, it's nothing like the BSL-4, BSL-4 where it could take, you know, a half an hour on either side, but it's extensive. And, and there's, there's a definitive, you know, process for how you do everything so that you do it as safely as possible. So is it like you're putting on a pair of pants one one at one at a time, or is there a little bit more complicated than that? No, it, it, listen, it, it, it becomes second nature, right? Um, but all of it is, it's all procedural. So you go in and, and you have a definitive way that you put on things and you put it on correctly every time and you know the order of events and you don't kind of you know change up the, uh, the, the timing of any of that. And it, it does become second nature, but it can be a little bit overwhelming when, when when you first start. Okay, so the next time we chat, I, I won't unless you can answer today. I'll give you some time to think about it. Your most realistic pandemic movie from your perspective. Okay. <laughs> so I, I I will tell you right now, it probably oh, okay. is con, it, it's probably Contagion because okay. it's the first movie that I've seen where where they actually made BSL four look like BSL four. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, if it impressed you, then we will maybe try and watch it when we're feeling more less pandemic in our... or less. Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So let's <laughs> yes, less COVID. Let's um, talk about rapid testing, because today the federal government approved another rapid test. This one also from Abbott, but Abbott in Germany. And it claims um, to be able to give results on the spot in under 15 minutes without sending things to the lab. It also says it has 93 percent accuracy on positives and 99% accuracy on negatives. Do you buy that that accuracy percentage? Yeah, I, actually, I do. I mean, listen, the, the Abbott tests, uh, first of all, it's, a, it's an amazingly reputable company for, for diagnostics. Uh, you know, they've been working in this area for a long period of time. Their sensitivity and the specificity, you know, really kind of 
uh, add up to, to what we would uh, hope to see for, uh, for a test that was being uh, taken out to the public. So I, I think with the amount of scrutiny that, that is you know, being kind of put on to all of these different diagnostic companies right now, the, the validity is there for, for their kits. And, and this is the move that, that we've wanted to see kind of being made to go to something that is basically point of care rather than having to wait for you know, 12 hours or 24 hours to get those results back. And I would think that it is more important to get a false positive than a false negative, because if you if you're told you're positive and you, then you're going to treat it in the appropriate way, rather than the horror stories that we've heard when people have been told they were negative and they were actually positive. Well, that's correct, right? And, and the issue that we run into with this, uh, obviously, with the the false negatives, is that with both of these diagnostic tests, and, and to be fair, a lot of the diagnostic tests that are available, is that if you basically get tested too early, um, you will get a negative that isn't truly negative um, because it, the virus just hasn't you know, created enough copies of itself to be picked up. So e even when we see a negative coming out, you know, we, we do warn people that, listen, if you develop symptoms, get back in for another test because we have you know, a, a small period or a small window of opportunity to try to be able to identify whether the virus is there and, and, and essentially stop you from uh, from spreading it on to other people. And we have to develop that culture that of acceptance as opposed to, you know, some mistake happens and we're looking to, to play the blame game. With us on 680 CJOB is infectious disease expert Jason Kinderchuk. And Dr. Kinderchuk, when we look at all this testing, I think of all the parents right now, I think of the lineups, I think of the, the desperation, I think of um, people wanting the peace of mind that uh, if they go into a place like a hospital um, on a daily basis that somehow they could be tested within 15 minutes and find out whether or not they are positive or negative. Um, do you envision that happening in the months ahead, that there's going to be that widespread testing? Because that would make me feel a whole lot comfortable. Well, I think it will, right? But the, the again, the issue that we have to face and, and, and accept as well is that, you know, that if you walk into, a, say, a business or you walk into your workplace and you test negative, um, does that indicate that you are truly negative or are you just negative at that single period in time? Right. Um, and that's really where I think we have to keep our mindset is that, yes, you may be negative uh, on that specific day, but that does not mean tomorrow if you develop a headache or you develop a bit of a fever that you suddenly won't become positive. So I, I think I think you're correct in the sense that we, we want to see more widespread testing. We want to be able to pick up those cases faster. Um, but we also have to take that with a grain of salt that when we do test negative with wider testing, we can still develop symptoms and we may actually still be infected. We just haven't gone enough or long enough in the, the disease course for the virus to be picked up yet. And and I, I agree that, that you do have to take those negatives with a grain of salt. But could this also be a way of getting some industries back up and running. And I'm thinking about the aviation industry and we're hearing about rapid testing being done before people get on flights, before they leave resorts to board flights. We're also hearing about some airports. And I think the one in Helsinki is the one that's coming to mind where they're using specially trained dogs to sniff for COVID-19. Like this is an industry that's really hurting where rapid testing could make a big difference and give people the peace of mind to travel. 
Certainly. And actually, I, you know, I'll, I'll be quite open. I mean, I've, I've had some conversations with people from the aviation industry about how we could go about trying to show that, you know, what, what transmission rates truly are and how we could try and, and maybe help the aviation industry get back to uh, attracting customers and, and maybe potentially uh, pushing some of the policies as far as travel restrictions. Um, I, I think that it, it certainly will help, right? And at the end of the day, um, all of this is really going to, uh, to rely on people uh, recognizing uh, if they have any change in their general health. So, you know, accepting that, yes, you may have a negative test, but if the caveat is if you suddenly start to show signs, please go back and get tested. Dr. Jason Kinderchuk, he is an infectious disease expert and he endorses contagion. Thanks for your time. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Take care. The News on CJOB with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham.